It is Father's Day. I do want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house. Um, you know, uh, a kid was asked one time what Father's Day is, and he said, oh, it's just like Mother's Day, except you don't spend as much money. <laughs> so that's, uh, man, how true is that? Of course, my, my kids and wife did really good this year. They got me a recliner, so they, they spent some money this year. So yeah, I know where I'm taking my afternoon nap that I never get. So, um, you know, there's, there's really nothing like being a dad. It's, it's definitely one of the biggest joys of my life. And uh, as most of you know, I have three teenagers, and you know, which, if they're all three teenagers, that means they were all three little at one time, too. And the dynamics of that was one way, and now having managing teenagers is a, a totally another different way. And, uh, but there's, there's joy in all of it, and I'm, I'm so proud to be a dad. And uh, you know, I tell my kids, you know, they, they, um, being a dad with, for them is like, uh, it, it makes my bank account sometimes look like the church looked in April, you know, empty. And uh, they put these gray hairs in my beard, not many on my head yet, so I'm doing okay. But, uh, but they've also put a lot of happiness in my heart and, and, uh, and joy in my home. So I'm thankful for Kenzie and Taylor and Noah, who was in first service. He's probably asleep in my office. So, um, You know, the, uh, I read a story this week. A, a, a little girl was walking out of church with her dad after the service, and uh, she went up to the pastor on her way out. She said, uh, uh, Pastor, I just want you to know when I grow up and get some money, I'm going to give you some. And he said, oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. But can I ask why you're going to give me money? She said, yeah, because my dad here says you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. <laughs> that was one of those dad moments you're not going to be happy about or proud of. So uh, I'm thankful my kids never did that. And no one's ever done that to me. So, uh, But, you know, thinking about this week and uh, bringing a sermon on Father's Day, the word that kept coming to my mind was honor. Uh, for more reasons than one, but uh, you know, how many of you know a good dad is really worthy of honor? It's really great to uh, to be able to honor a good father, and you know, we have the best father in the universe, our heavenly father, that we can obviously live a life honoring. and And uh, I really want to talk to you today about honor because, you know, honor is actually uh, when, when the Bible talks about honoring, it's the first commandment that was given that included a promise with it. Uh, Paul actually talks about it in Ephesians six, but we know the. Honor your mother and father. That came from the Ten Commandments that Moses got on Mount Sinai. And yeah, it says, honor your mother and father that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's a great promise, isn't it? And it's, it's, a, it's a promise that comes to us as we honor each other, as we honor people. And, you know, even as a dad, as a dad honors his family, that can actually bring healing and restoration in a family situation, as we've seen with the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son left and completely dishonored his dad, but when he came back, the dad went above and beyond to honor that son, and it brought healing and restored that relationship completely. Um, so there is a blessing that comes with honor, and it, that leads me to my text verse this morning, and in fact, I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me one more time, if you would. I promise I won't have you stand again until we're, till we're done, uh, just in honor of reading the word. In 1 Peter verses two, uh, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The title of my sermon today is called Worthy of Honor. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we enter this time of the service. Father God, we do love you today. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that, uh, that we can honor you, we can trust you, because we know that you are a good, good father. And Lord, I pray today that my words would be your words and that your words would, would uh, sink into our hearts today and do the work that it was set out to do. I pray you'd seal all the work that you're doing in us today by your Holy Spirit, Lord. We seek to honor you, to bless you, to exalt you, that you would receive all the glory for everything good, and that as we leave today, we would be talking about you and nobody else. And we thank you for it today. We ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. 
And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you. So the word honor comes from the Greek words pronounced timi, which means to respect or to value. Now, how many of you know it's, it's easy to honor somebody that you feel deserves it, right? A good father, a good boss, a good anybody in your life. If they're, if they're stirring up the right emotions, it's easy to honor somebody in your life. But it's not so easy to honor somebody that's not making your life easy, right? In fact, we live in a society today that has kind of... Uh, push this agenda that honor comes to you if you earn it. You have to earn honor. You have to earn respect. And that almost, it, it, when it rings in our ears, we can almost make sense of that and say, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it is. Well, it's really not. Now, trust is earned. We would always say, you know, you have to earn somebody's trust. But honor, according to the word of God, is something we are to extend to everybody, whether or not they deserve it. You don't have to earn honor. Honor is something Peter said here. He said, honor everyone. And then he even goes a step further at the end. He says, oh, by the way, also honor the king. A lot of you probably know why he said that at the end, because he had already said to honor everyone. But then he makes a special uh, singling out of the king to say honor the king. Well, the king at that time was King Nero. And he was by far one of the most vicious, brutal Christian killers that there ever was. He was killing Christians for sport. He would he'd burn them on a pole and use their burning bodies to light up the Colosseum while other Christians are in the Colosseum getting eaten by lions. That's how vicious he was. Yet Peter goes the extra step to make sure everybody that reads his letter knows, make sure you honor the king too. Now that king isn't worthy of honor by human standards, is he? Yet Peter said, make sure you honor him because honor is not something that we get to pick and choose who we give it to. It's something that we give to every single person because the Bible talks about how important it is. And you know, there are some sins in the church that we just don't like to talk about, if we're honest, right? There are sins we just don't, we don't really go there a whole lot. Uh, one of them is gluttony. We actually almost celebrate gluttony anymore, you know. Uh, we don't talk about greed a whole lot. We don't talk about gossip a whole lot or slander. I think some of it is because, uh, because a lot of people do struggle with it, and it's hard to, uh, we don't want to make people feel bad when they come to church. When they come to church, we want them to feel good. And so we don't, there are certain things we don't talk about because it can really get, it can really get down to the heart of where we're at. And dishonor is one of those sins, too. And let, make no mistake about it, dishonor, not honoring, is a sin. It goes directly contrary to God's word. And our culture would say it's not a big deal. In fact, honor has almost become this archaic term that we don't even talk about much anymore in culture because there's no need for it, a lot of people would feel. Especially with the, the rise of the internet age and social media, you can hide behind your phone, you can say whatever you want, whenever you want, and you don't have to worry about it. And, and if, if you want to cancel somebody, you know, we're in this cancel culture, if you want to cancel them and roast them online and do whatever you want to do, it, it's perfectly fine. It's completely acceptable in our society. And I would, ex I would expect that in our society, that people would verbally, uh, you know, just attack people, but it cannot be in the church. And it has gotten into the church. We've seen it in the church. We've seen it way too much where we have decided that honor is a thing that, eh, if you earn it, we'll give it to you. But if you don't, we're going to withhold. And not only that, we're going to go the extra mile and we're going to roast you or we're going to cancel you or we're just going to spout off and say whatever we want. And what we're doing when we do that is we're hurting ourselves. We're only hurting ourselves when we dishonor people in our life or people in the public eye or in society. We're dishonoring ourselves because if, if the Bible says that when you honor that there's a blessing that comes with it, couldn't you make the argument that if you dishonor 
that you are removing that blessing from your life? If there's a blessing that comes with it, the blessing doesn't come with it when we don't honor, and then it, we could even be bringing a curse on ourselves if we're dishonoring. I don't think I'm doing violence to the scripture to, to, to make that progression that if God went as far enough to say there's a blessing if you do it, that there may be a curse if you go the opposite extreme. And see, here's the thing. God is full of grace and mercy and love. Amen? I mean, he's full of grace. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. And he's so good to us. But he will not compromise his word. He will not compromise his character. He will not compromise who he is if we don't heed his word. And that's something we have to remember. We have to constantly be remembering. And I know that kind of goes against the the, the whole, the, the super hyper grace movement that's out there that says, you know what, God just, he loves you so much, he's just going to overlook everything you do because of how much he loves you. And he's just so happy that you come to church and that you've said a prayer or that you've given $20 in the offering. He's just going to overlook all that other stuff because he's just so full of grace. That's not God. That's not him. He is still a holy God. He says, I am holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. So his grace is there to forgive us, but it doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. His grace is actually there to set us free from all those sins. It's there to empower us to live for him. And so it's important that we understand the importance of honor in our life. So I want to talk to you just about how it looks, first of all. How does honor look in our life? Like I said, it's easy to honor somebody that we feel deserves it. But what about that, what about that person in your life, and most of us have that person, that you feel is actually getting in your way, keeping you from whatever, your destiny, your calling, keeping you from that promotion, keeping you from prosperity in your life, keeping you from getting a good grade because they just don't like you, keeping you from happiness. A lot of us have people. If you don't have somebody in your life right now with that, you're going to. What do we do? How do we honor somebody like that? Or are we even supposed to honor? Is it that important that we honor them? Or do we just keep our mouth shut? Because honoring is not just keeping your mouth shut. Honoring is speaking well. It's respecting someone that, that word timi, it means to respect. It means to value people. I don't want to value somebody that's standing in my way all the time. You probably don't either. But there's somebody in the Bible that shows us how to value, how to, how to respect, and how to honor people, even in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of struggle. And that person is David. And most of you know who David is. He was the second king of Israel, uh, very, very widely known as the best king Israel ever had. And the first king of Israel was Saul. And Saul started off well, but he, he fell off the wagon, and uh, God rejected him, the Bible says. And so he had Samuel anoint David to be the next king. Well, Saul was still the king for a while after David was anointed. So David was a king in waiting. And so he was serving Saul. He was serving him in his kingdom, in his court. He played the harp for him to make him feel better when a demonic spirit was attacking him. And uh, he served in his military. He helped the army out. I mean, he did, he did all kinds of things. He was a perfect servant of the king. Yet Saul got, got uh, offended. He was uh, threatened by David. So what he did was he, he decided he was going to kill him because he knew David was a threat to his throne. So he, he pursued him. And David was on the run for years from the king. Even though David was the one that was supposed to be the next king, he had to run from him because he knew David, uh, that Saul was trying to kill him. And so there was multiple occasions where this happened. Well, there's one specific one where uh, Saul was chasing David. David got word that Saul was chasing him, but that he was actually camped out, and him and his men were asleep in their camp. And they said, David, now's the time to go and take care of Saul and keep him from continually attacking you. I want to read what, uh, what, his, what one of his men, Abishai, <coughs> said to him when they went into Saul's camp. It's in 1 Samuel 26, verses 8 to 9. Look at this. 
It says, Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. He offered to kill Saul for David. It says, but David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? That is a powerful, powerful statement that David made. Think about this, church. He was already anointed to be king. Saul was trying to kill him. He, he was on the run. Literally comes into Saul's camp. Saul's laying there dead asleep. And, and Abishai was even giving him an out. He's saying, listen, you don't even have to kill him. I'll do it for you. So when you talk about this with the press later, you could say, I didn't even do it. I, Abishai did it. I actually told him not to. I begged him not to. He said, whatever you want to do, I'll take care of this right now. And David... Think, seemingly having the right to do that, said, no way. Do not touch him. Do not touch the Lord's anointed. That was David giving Saul respect and honor that we would look at and say he didn't even deserve it. But David went the extra mile. None of us here have ever been treated more harshly by a leader or anyone in our life than David was by Saul. Yet David would not raise his hand to him. He would not harm him because he had respect for him. And that is how we are called to live our life. And, and, and I'm going to take it a step further in this because this is where it gets really hairy. In, in verse 12 of that same chapter, look what it says. It says, so David took the spear and water jug next to Saul's head and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Man, I've read that so many times. I remember the first time that hit me and I, I had to read it again because I thought that's got to be a typo. There's no way the Lord put Saul into a deep sleep for David, and then David didn't kill him and get this over with so that he could be the next king. And I actually could have struggled with this because I think, well, maybe David missed it there. Maybe God was trying to set him up so he could take care of this so he could be king. What's absolutely not what was happening there. God was testing David. He was testing his heart. He was saying, David, are you willing to trust me even in the midst of all of what's going on here? Are you willing to trust me in a way that would, is going to make you look like a fool to the world? And David said, yes, I am. And he trusted him. And, even, and God put Saul into a deep sleep. David still said, I will not touch him. Church, you're going to be put in situations where your honor is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. You may be in one right now. Probably are, because there's so much going on in our society right now. It is so hard to honor some of the people in our society that we see, maybe even in your own family, but also in your, in your circle, in your job, the stuff we see on TV with our politicians and everything that's going on right now. It can be very easy to let that dishonor just come in and we justify it. And God says, I'm testing you to see if you will honor in the, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of a situation where it seems right to you. Don't do what seems right to you. Do what seems right to the Holy Spirit. That's what God has called us to do. And we can, we can do exactly what David did and, and respond well in those situations. So I want to give you three groups of people who are worthy of honor. I want to call out a few different groups. And the first one is our Heavenly Father, which is obvious, right? Today's Father's Day. We're talking about the best father ever. We're going to talk about our Heavenly Father and that he deserves our honor. We would all give a, a hearty yes to that when we say honor God. I mean, that's in half the worship songs we sing. <laughs> it's easy to say we want to honor God. But I want to, I want to look at it a little deeper because I want to pry at our hearts a little bit and see if there's anything inside of us that, that may be struggling with honoring God with our life, okay? First of all, when the, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, how should we pray? They want to know how to pray. They want to know how to talk to God. You all know this, this verse. We recite it all the time. I, I, I pray it almost every day. 
It's in Matthew 6 and starts in verse 9. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going to stop right there. Because that's the only part today that I'm focusing on. He says, this is how I want you to pray, church, when you pray. My, our Father in heaven. First, we want, he wants us to acknowledge him as our Father, as our perfect Father. And then he says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means honored. He is telling us to say, God, I honor you. I honor who you are. I honor your name. It, it talks about, uh, hallowed also talks about like keeping something holy. He's saying, that's what, how I want you to pray. I want you to pray, God, I honor you and I place you in the highest place. You are holy. You are so much higher than me. And I honor you, God. That's how he wants us to pray. Do you guys know why he wants us to do that? It's not because God's insecure and needs us to tell him how awesome he is. You know, some of us want that. We need people to encourage us and tell us how great we are because it feeds us, because we've got some insecurities in our life. Well, there's not one ounce of insecurity in our God. So he's not asking us because he needs us to tell him how great he is. He knows. <laughs> he knows how wonderful and amazing he is. He does that because here's the thing, church. There is nothing we can give our God that he actually needs. Nothing. He is the one that gave us everything. He's the one that saw our sin and saw our depravity and saw the huge, monstrous debt that we had, and he came and paid that debt for us, right? He came and paid the debt we could not pay. The, the parable of the, of the unmerciful servant shows us that the debt we had is infinite amount of money that we could have never paid back. God didn't pay our debt for us of sin as a way of a credit to us and say, hey, I'm going to do this for you. You just pay me back when you get the chance. There's no paying God back for what he did for us because we couldn't do it. Because we are nothing and he is everything, right? And since we can't pay him back, what he says is what I want from you is I want your life. I want you to give me everything. I want you to come to me and honor me with your life. I want your heart. I want, I want everything inside of you. And he doesn't need it. He's the God of the universe. He doesn't need it, but he wants us. And he says, I came to pay that debt for you so that I could have you. So he wants us to come to him, but we have to be reminded of who he is. And who we are in relation to him. When we come to him and we say, my heavenly father, hallowed be your name. That's the first thing out of our mouth when we pray. And it reminds us, oh yeah, that's right. He's, the, he's my dad. And he's the one that's holy. And he's the one that's honored. He's the one that's praiseworthy. He's the one that's lifted high. And when we start off like that, it gets our heart in the right place. And Jesus is saying, you can't pray unless you first understand that I'm your father and that I am to be honored. So he's telling us there, when you pray, come to me and honor me. And this is the thing about God. Of all people, beings, he is the easiest to honor and he's the hardest. All at the same time, right? He's easy to honor if you know him and you know the word because you understand that he really is everything. So that makes it easy to honor him. Like, oh yeah, I need God for everything. But then it's also very difficult because by him being everything, he also says, I want everything. I want everything. I want your heart. I want everything about you. I want your innermost being, your thoughts, every part of you, I want it. And so that makes it hard to honor him and really give him what he is due because we have a flesh that doesn't like that. We have a flesh that would, likes to have its own way, that has self-serving ideas for us. We kind of want God to do the things we need him to do for us, but then I still want to kind of do my thing too. And so he's easy to honor, but he's also very difficult to honor in our life. In Isaiah 29 and uh, 13, yep, this is the Lord speaking through Isaiah or to Isaiah, he's talking about the children of Israel. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
God wants our hearts, church. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to honor him, to respect him, to value him above all else in our life. Not just when we're at church on Sunday morning when it's a little easier because we're all together and it's fun, but on those other days too. And here's the thing. God responds to honor. He responds to us in our life when we honor him, when we give him our life. I'm going to share a verse with you because this kind of goes towards this. And it is in... um, I lost it. It got deleted off my iPad somehow. But I'm going to share it with you because it's very, very good and very important that we learn how to honor him through his word. Amen? So, let's see. Okay. Actually, no, I'm going to give you the one that that happens when we don't honor him. So, you guys, the, the story of Jesus where he was... He was uh, already in his ministry, okay? He's going around, and he's, he's sharing his love with everybody, and he is healing people. We're seeing people delivered from demonic forces. We're seeing people's eyes opened. We're seeing all kinds of miracles, and people were seeing it, and they were amazed at him, and they were even amazed at the words he was saying and, and how he would preach. And the crowds were getting big, and people were really loving having him around, right? Well, then he goes into his hometown, and a lot of you know what happens to him when he goes into his hometown. He goes into the synagogue and he starts speaking. And the people in the synagogue were like, wow, this guy's really amazing. It's really phenomenal. Well, then all of a sudden they realize who he is. And let me read to you out of Mark 6, verses 3 to 5. It says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Basically, that means they dishonored him. They did not have respect for him. They did not value him because they thought, oh, this is just that guy that used to live here. Then it says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his home. And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now listen here, church. Jesus was not being petty, okay? It wasn't that Jesus was like, you know what? These guys aren't are disrespecting me. Nobody's going to disrespect me. I'm the son of God. I'm out of here. I'm only going to heal a few sick people, and then I'm going to go. He wasn't being petty at all. It doesn't say he would not heal people. It says he could not heal people. And he makes reference to honor. He says only in his hometown is a, is a prophet without honor, without respect. Because they didn't honor him, because they dishonored him, they literally limited his ability to do work in his own hometown. So how do you think that applies to our life? That tells me if I dishonor him, if I don't live my life respecting him, if I don't give him, elevate him to the place that he's really worthy of, that it actually limits his ability to work in my life. That's pretty powerful. Now, again, that goes against some of our, our, our theology that we have, that we think, you know, we can just kind of do our thing, but if I pray and, you know, I really, if, especially if I can get a few tears to come out, God's going to do what I need him to do, right? I'm being a little facetious here, but really it, it does boil down to the fact that He is limited in our life if we're not honoring him in the way that he deserves to be honored. So let's look at what happens if we do honor him. You know, the centurion that came to him, and and he came to Jesus, and he said, hey, my my servant is paralyzed and suffering terribly. Can you heal him? And let's look what Jesus says here in Matthew 8, 7 to 8. It says, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy 
that you should come under my roof. Now that's honor. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to be in your presence, to have you even come into my home because of who you are. He says, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Church, this is the centurion. These were the Romans that conquered the Jews. So this is, this is the conqueror talking to the conquered, saying, I'm not even worthy to have you in my house. That's how much he honored him. But he said, listen, I know you can say the word, my servant will be healed. And I didn't read it here, but Jesus literally said in this, he said, I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And I don't think I'm doing violence to the scripture here to say he, would, he, he was saying, I haven't seen this kind of honor in all of Israel. And it says that his servant was healed at that very moment. Because he honored God, because he understood how holy God is and how elevated that he is. He said, I'm not even worthy to have you in my house. Now, we want to look at Jesus as our friend, and he is, and he, will, he wants to come and be with us. But to have that attitude of, God, you're so much more than I could ever be. Like, I'm not anywhere even close to even playing with you. And whatever you want, my life is yours. You can have it. That kind of honor is what gets God to move in our lives. And we are called to honor him. All right, the next one, the next uh, person that we are to honor is our leaders. And we have all kinds of leaders in our lives. We have parents, which, again, there's a blessing that comes with honoring our parents. So let's honor our parents, everyone. Everyone, honor your parents. They're worthy of it. Treat them with respect. Um, our spiritual leaders, we are to honor them. Now, I realize that's very self-serving for me to say that. But, you know, guys, I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. So, um, but your spiritual leaders are absolutely worthy of honor and respect. Uh, professionally, your boss, um, officers, teachers. Uh, if you're in the military, a superior officer. I know the military doesn't, t doesn't tolerate dishonor. We are, we, you are forced to honor each other, and there's a chain of command, and there's respect that comes with that. That's how we should be living with all of our authorities, our leaders in our life professionally. And then governmental, and I want to take a minute on this because I've been really, uh, my heart's been heavy in regards to our elected officials and how we honor them. Um, because this is under serious attack today. It is under serious, serious attack. You know, people are already terrified about November because the election's coming up, the presidential election, and it's, it, you just know that it's going to get ugly. And, um, and, and again, I expect those things out in society, but we don't expect that stuff in the church. We should be guarding our social media accounts like the plague. I mean, I mean, just guarding them so carefully that we would never, ever say anything that could even be misconstrued as dishonoring to anyone, ever, ever. We are called to honor our officials. And I'm going to read a verse. It's gonna, if, if you have an issue with that, that's going to really get up in your, in your craw because this kind of clears it up. In Romans 13 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul said, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. That's just another way of saying honor. Honor governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Period. There's, that, that's contextually, that's exactly what he meant to say is what he said there. Now, I know some of you would say, oh, well, but, you know, we, we have such ungodly elected officials now. They're not even as close to un as ungodly as the ones were during Paul's time. They were horrible. They didn't have any, they didn't even, they didn't, a lot of them didn't even care anything about Christians. Christians were being persecuted left and right. Paul was in prison because he was preaching Jesus. We don't know anything like that in this country. I mean, the worst persecution we ever get is, I don't even know what I would say to that. You know, you might get made fun of for being a Christian. Okay. 
But we don't really know what true persecution is. So the leaders we have today are not worse than they were here. And Paul was very clear to say they are worthy of our respect. They are worthy of our honor. There is none that is put in place but what God has put there. And I know that is hard for us to comprehend sometimes because we see some of these leaders and we think, there's no way God put that person there. According to Romans 13, 1, there is. And that they are worthy of our honor and our respect. And I, I understand that it can be difficult at times. And there's times that I've even got convicted about the, the stuff I've even thought or said or whatever. But there's just no place for it. And frankly, church, we as a church need to repent. Yeah. If this is something we've indulged in or we've engaged in, we have to repent. I mean, it doesn't matter if, who, the, who the person is. You know, there's this thing that it's like if you're an elected official, you're fair game. You know, you put yourself in public office, you deserve what you get. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It doesn't matter if it's Trump or Biden or Pelosi or Schumer or McConnell or, or Abrams or Kemp or whoever it is. They are all worthy of our honor. Every last one of them. Every one of them. Now, that doesn't mean we have to agree with everything. We can disagree. I, there's, <laughs> there's tons that I don't agree with. But I, will, I, I try my hardest not to dishonor. Because I know I'm only hurting myself. Again, we're hurting ourselves when we don't honor. Because God's principle is that we would. And it's a sin to do it. Now look, let me give you quickly here a verse out of Daniel that shows how we're supposed to treat our, our government officials. Okay, You guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was saying, everybody's got to bow down to this idol I've made, this thing of gold or whatever it was. And, and if you don't do it, you're going to get killed. Like They made this decree. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they served Jehovah, and they said, we're not doing it. They were brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and he gave them one more chance. He said, you bow to me now, or you're going in the fiery furnace. And let's, I'm going to read here how they responded to the king. And look how they showed him respect, even though they knew their fates were sealed. Okay, In Daniel 3, 16 to 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar. So they referred to him as king, which is a sign of respect. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, a term of respect. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So their fate was sealed, and instead of going in there and saying, listen, punk, we're not listening to you. you they could have, man... <laughs> I feel like I could have even said a few things, you know, if I was in that situation. If I'm going to die anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> but that's not the Spirit of God in me. That's my flesh. The Spirit of God in me says you're going to treat them with respect. And let me tell you something. You guys know the story. They went in the furnace. Jesus goes in with them. They come out. Not even a hair on their head was singed. Don't think for a second that that wasn't partly because of how they responded to that king. God responded to their honor. He was moved by their honor, and he responded. There's plenty of people that serve God that died. So it wasn't like he picked these three out just randomly, pulled them out of a hat and said, okay, these three, we're going to go in and save them. I believe it was because they honored the king. And that king didn't deserve any honor. He was killing everybody that didn't bow down to him. He wanted people to worship him. Yet because of that, and if you read on, you'll see that the king actually came out and said, anyone that does not honor Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God, they're going to be killed. So he didn't even change the king's heart. And he promoted them in the province. So they came out of it shining like stars. Because of, and I believe it was because of the fact that they honored the king. And they had nothing to gain by treating him respectfully, except that God came into that situation and saved him. So we are to honor our leaders, all of our leaders. Amen?
All right, let me give you the last one and I'll finish, I promise. The last one, a group of people to honor is each other. What does honor look like for each other? Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Well, this disqualifies most of us, right? But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is a, that's a verse we like to just read over real quickly and not think much about after we've read it, right? Because this goes against everything in our society today. Everything in our society is, is all about selfish ambition and vain conceit. That's all you see from celebrities now, promoting their brand and getting theirs and, you know, doing whatever they can to make sure they've got what they need. Selfish ambition, vain conceit. That's all we see in our society. But we cannot let it creep into our lives and the lives of people in the church, people that say that they love Jesus. How, how anyone that loves Jesus and says they have the Spirit of God in them cannot love people and be willing to sacrifice for people, I will never understand it. You know, I've told you, I've said it many times, like before I really gave my life to Jesus, I grew up in the church, but before I lived for Jesus, I just put up with people. Then when I gave my life to him and I, and I felt his spirit living in me, it changed me. I stopped just putting up with them and I actually started loving them. And it was nothing for me to sacrifice for other people. It's what led me into the mission field. It's like, I just, I want to, I want to give of myself. I've been blessed you know, just as Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, so are we. And so it's, it, it, when we read this verse, this shouldn't scare us or make us think, I don't want to think about that or meditate on that because that's going to make me do something I don't want to do. We should be looking at that going, yes, 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 yes. How can I do that? How can I be that? How can I give of myself to others, not just look to my own interests, but look to others' interests as well? You know, this whole mess we're in in our society with the racial divide, it would be a non-issue if we lived this. It'd be a non-issue. Because we would value, we would respect and honor everybody, even above ourselves. Like this verse, you just don't see people tattooing this verse on them. It's, it's other verses, the cool ones, you know. But we don't, we don't want to see each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Because that, that, gets, in, that, that gets to a place that we don't like. That, that messes with our flesh in a way that can make us uncomfortable and can make it difficult for us. But here's the deal, church. Unity doesn't come unless we live this out. And, and the gospel will not go forth without unity in the church. So unless we, unless we figure this out, we're just playing, we're just having a good time on Sunday mornings and having church. But to really be the church, to, 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 to let the gospel go forth and let God's kingdom come on this earth, it's going to be through the church. And it's going to be through the unity of the church. And you know, when the, the church first started in Acts, it talked about how the believers were all together. They had everything in common. People were literally selling their stuff to make sure that other believers had what they needed. How about that? How about if we do that today on our altar call? We come up and, and leave your house keys on the, on the stage here. We'll sell it for you, and we'll use the money to help others. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have a lot of house keys on the, on the stage here. Uh, and and I'm, I'm being extreme to make a point. The fact is there, there's so much about our society today that goes against the way the early church was. You know, it really is about making sure all your, your stuff's taken care of, and then if I got a little extra, I'll do what I can. And I'm not even just talking financially. I'm talking about just having the heart to want to reach people and doing whatever it would take, be willing to sacrifice. I, I've said it before, unity isn't about us getting along. It's about sacrificing for each other. That's what brings true unity in the church and in our lives. So uh, we are called to honor each other in a powerful way. All right, well, um, I've I got to close. So if you guys will stand, so I'll hopefully stop soon.
And in closing today, I want to. I just want us to pray together. And church, I want us to repent because I feel like dishonor is rampant, not just in New Hope, but in the church in general. And if you feel like it's not something you're dealing with, you feel like, no, I'm, I'm good at honoring, then I would encourage you to repent for the church today because the church is not doing its job in our society about honoring people. And uh, if there is something that's, that's just pricked your heart a little bit, I wanna encourage you to repent. I mean, the great thing about our God is that when we, when we turn, you know, repenting is turning away from what we're doing. When we turn and turn back to him in any area, the Bible's clear that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, but not just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing like being freshly cleansed, like a fresh shower that you come out of the shower feeling nice and clean. That's what he does to our spirit when we confess our sins to him. So let's, let's confess that. Let's, not, let's be people that cannot be offended or feel disrespected or dishonored. You know, the Syrophoenician woman in, in, uh, in the Gospels where she came to Jesus and said, Jesus, man, I need you to, to heal my daughter. She's sick. And Jesus said, you know, she wasn't Jewish. He said, no, no, I've been called. I'm here to, to call the lost sheep of Israel. And he said, it's not right for me to throw the, the, the kid's food to the dogs. And she could have just very easily bucked up and said, you can't say that to me. You can't call me a dog. How disrespectful. I'm offended. She didn't say any of that, did she? She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat the scraps that fall under the table. And Jesus said, oh, she said, he said, this is good. This is good stuff. And it says that her daughter was healed that very moment because she honored him, because she, she respected him. Even though It's almost like he was toying with her a little bit, like, ah, let's see how she responds. You know, I don't, I don't know Jesus' heart in that situation perfectly, but she could have very easily said, man, nobody's going to talk to me that way. I'm a Syrophoenician. I don't even know what that means, but it might mean something good. But you know, how easy is it for us to get disrespected or offended? You know, we have opportunities every day, sometimes every hour of the day, sometimes behind the wheel of a car. You know, road rage is all about being disrespected. You know that. I mean, unless you really genuinely felt like you were going to get in an accident, which nine times out of 10, it's not. You're just mad because somebody cut in front of you. I got disrespected. They dishonored me. And then you start to yell at your windshield, thinking the person can hear you when they really can't, you know? But that's what that is. And, and, and we, we have those opportunities all the time to get to feel disrespected. Church, let's not allow ourselves to get disrespected. Like if somebody wants to do that, okay, all right. I'm still gonna honor you. I'm still gonna respect you because the spirit of God in me is not gonna allow me to take offense, to disrespect or dishonor because I know there comes a blessing when I honor you and I want the blessing too bad. I'm gonna cling on to that blessing, hold on to it with a death grip because it's worth it. Amen. So let's pray and just open your hearts as we pray this morning. Lord God, thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. Lord, you are worthy of all that we are. We give you all that we are today. God, and I pray for each and every person in this room today and everyone that's listening online, that Father, if there's anything in our heart that has been revealed during these last few minutes, God, I pray that you would help us to be able to let it go. God, we just come to you today we just repent. God, I repent of my attitude that I've had at times, of dishonor, of wanting to, to be self-serving and selfish. God, I repent of that. Lord, I want to honor every single person that you put in my path, whether it's online or in real life. I honor them, Lord. And God, I ask your forgiveness for where I have dishonored. Lord, I want that blessing. I want your presence in my life. I want, I want, I want you to be able to respond to my honor and not my dishonor. 
And God, I give it all to you. And I thank you that you forgive us, that you've forgiven me, that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I praise you for it, Lord. I worship you. You are honored in this place and you're honored in my heart. Lord, may you be elevated above every one of us. May we elevate you, God. May we be holy as you are holy. May the world see you through us, that it would draw men to you. In Jesus' name, God, we love you. God, I pray a blessing on every father in this house today and everyone listening, every father, God. In Jesus' name, I pray the Father's blessing on them. Lord, that you would help the men in the church to be the men in the church. God, raise us up to be the men you have called us to be, godly men in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our churches. Help us to lead with your spirit in us, God. We're submitted to you and your spirit working in us and through us. We thank you for it, Lord. We pray your blessing, and we love you and honor you and bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen.